Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our text for our sermon is John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me, so that you may also be where I am. You know where I am going, and you know the way. Lord, we don't know where you are going, Thomas replied, so how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of our Lord. Many years ago, when my oldest child was very young, we had visited some members on their farm and were making an, an afternoon of it. And their grandson was there and my oldest was playing with him and, and they were having a good time, but they wanted to show us some improvements they'd made to the farm. So my wife and I sat down and told the, our oldest that we were gonna be leaving for about 20 minutes and we would be back and not to worry about it. And, you would think that would be the end of it, but he was busy playing with a friend and his mind was focused on something else. Well, the farmer showed us what he wanted to show us and we were walking back to the vehicle when down the two track came a bounce in a Suburban with a couple of young boys in it. Grandma was driving it. The youngest about the minute we, or the oldest, the minute we'd walked out the door had become concerned. He thought we'd walked out into the fields and had gotten lost in the corn and everything and, and just kept saying, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, that's kind of what's going on tonight in our lesson. Christ in 24 hours, his lifeless body is going to be resting in the grave. And so he's giving instructions to his disciples tonight. And just like we had told our oldest where we were going, he told them what's going on. Their minds were distracted on other things. They, they didn't hear it. And they miss those wonderfully comforting words. Do not let your hearts continue being in turmoil. Continue putting your trust in God and, can, and also continue putting your trust in me. Christ is going to be dead, but our sermon theme is Christ overcomes death for us. He has to die that we can be spared, if you will, the eternal sting of death and, and so that he can raise up our bodies. And today we see that he's setting the road for us. So our sermon theme continues, Christ overcomes death for us by removing its roadblocks. And so he continues, in my father's house are many apartments. Now, it's quite a difficulty how to struggle this, how to translate this. Many translate it as are many mansions. But then we think of separate mansions. Well, this father's house itself is a mansion or a palace. Do you know, in, in those days in Palestine and prior in, in Israel, it used to be that as they had children and they got married, they kind of had a central rotunda and they built their homes around it and they all met together around a main area for meals. And it was the same thing for kings. They built a palace and they would have rooms, uh, uh, living places for their children, but they weren't quite like apartments because I've lived in apartments where I got to know several of my neighbors, but there were several I didn't know. You could do your own thing. You had dinner by yourself and everything. Even in that palace, there were things that the different families would gather together because they were one family. 
And so he's really describing that in my father's house are many apartments. And if not, then would I have told you that I am journeying to make a place ready for you guys? And if I make a trip and I make ready a place for you, then I am certainly coming again and I will certainly take you guys to myself so that where I personally am, there you guys may also be. When you're going on a trip, if you have no destination, unless you're just wandering, it kind of defeats the purpose of the trip, right? Christ has just told them the destination. The destination is heaven. All too often, we get hung up on what the palace itself is going to be like. We wonder what the where is going to be like, and we miss the with whom. Our text there in verse 2 says, in my father's house. We are going to be with our heavenly father. And that is an amazing thing. And we're able to be with our heavenly father because of a unity that we have with Jesus. He says, I certainly will take you guys to uh, to myself so that where I personally am there, you guys may also be. Now, without the Holy Spirit having come and created faith in our heart, we would be in big trouble. But our new person is already in unity with Christ. But in that unity, we are somewhat separated from Christ and yet not. Our spirit is unified with them, but we're not completely there where we can touch, taste and see it. It's it's our spirit, our soul. When Christ raises our bodies and we get to be with him in heaven, we will be in Christ's presence in that unity. Also, we will be with the heavenly father and the Holy Spirit in a way we can see in everything. And in fact, it's going to be the new heavens and the new earth. Now, we have to think about, though, what the consequences are otherwise, because if that's not your destination, there's only one other choice. And sadly, that is the eternal flames of hell for having rejected what Christ won for you on that Good Friday night, on Good Friday, which is what we're building up for. So it's very important for us to understand there is a destination. That destination, that's part of the reason why Christ dies for us. And so he uses that analogy, like going to prepare the the living places for us in the fatherly palace where you and I are going to dwell eternally. And so the destination is to be eternally with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, literally in their presence. So we see Christ overcomes death for us by removing its roadblocks. Christ has prepared your eternal destination. Now, the destination is clear, but have you ever been going someplace where the destination is clear, but there's problems? Many years ago, when I'd left my former synod and became a member of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, the nearest church was in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So I was a a student at the time going to the university, and, and there was another young man, a brother in Christ, who was also Wisconsin Synod, who was going to Wyo Tech. And him and I would travel together from Laramie to Cheyenne. And one morning, on our way to church, we had noticed the, uh, the other lane, the westbound lane that would go from Cheyenne to Laramie uh, there on what's called Sherman Hill or Telephone Canyon. Uh, it, it was backed up and we began to think maybe we shouldn't go to church. Maybe we'd better turn around and keep going and, and head back home. Well, we got up to Cheyenne, we discussed it with a few members, and another member who had come in just 10 minutes behind us said, I came in just behind you and they opened up that lane, you'll be okay. So we stayed, we went to worship, we went to Bible study and everything, and then we uh, went to lunch, and then we figured we'd better get out of there. 
Well, we made it to Buford, which is halfway in between, and the traffic was really blocked up. Our destination was clear, and he had a big test the next day that he did not want to miss. But we were backed up. Now, eventually, it would get backed up all the way to the city of Cheyenne, because I had friends that were also heading there that, that ended up telling me that. What are we to do? So we pulled over into the gas station in Buford, and the couple that owned it were very nice. And, and she was working, and she said, if you take these, it's dirt road, uh, but it should be blown, blown open. It shouldn't be shut. And eventually you'll come out. It was a place between Fort Collins and Laramie called Tie Siding, and you'll be able to come in that way. That, that highway is open, no problem. So we get going that way. We had our destination, but it turned to two-track, and we were in a Honda Accord. It didn't have a lot of clearance. And, and uh, as we started to scrape on a few things, the guy who owned the car, uh, my traveling buddy uh, there, says, I don't want to get stuck out here. Nobody even knows where we're at. And I don't want to tear up my car. Uh-oh. So we turn around and head back. And then what we ended up doing is we ended up going back to Cheyenne. And then we came in through the Happy Jack Road. And there's a rest stop there at the top of the mountain where, where everything was blocked off. And we were able to get on the on-ramp. Cars weren't letting us in. And it was like it would open up, four cars would go, and then it would close. So we're sitting there, we got 10 miles to go and we're at the bottom of the hill and, and the, there's just, the road is just blocked and eventually I started to have to go to the bathroom. I said, I got to walk up there to the rest stop and he said, no, stay put. The next time it opens up, I'm going to punch my way in or I'm going to get into a car accident. Well, by the grace of God, there was a very kind car that actually let us in. And, and after sitting on the side of the road and all these adventures, we finally got to our destination. There's a lot of roadblocks along the way. And so Christ, uh, and, and when, even though you might have your destination, so in verse 4, Christ says, And where I on my part am departing to, you guys have perceived the way. This is a knowledge gained through the senses. Thomas says to him, Lord, we've not perceived where you are departing to, so how are we able to have perceived the way? Okay, we know the destination. They're confused where the destination is. They're probably thinking of, of an earthly messianic kingdom, which, which, uh, like a political kingdom, which too many people get confused in because the true kingdom of God is his rule in the hearts of believers. It's the invisible church. Jesus says to him, I myself am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus says a lot there. First of all, he says, I myself am the way. Now, you take Moses, through whom God gives us the law, the Sinaitic covenant and all that stuff that was to point to Christ. All that, all that was mediated through Moses. Jesus is the way, but he's not like Moses. Moses could only show the way, and Moses could point out the dangers. Moses gave us the law, but he promised a prophet like him would come. And it becomes very clear to us, the law tells us, if you keep this perfectly in thought, word, and deed, never stumbling once, then you are saved. But see, then you are already righteous. If you're not righteous, you can't keep the law. And if you broke the law just once, you're clearly not righteous. Moses can show us the way and he can point out the dangers, but he himself is not the way. Our keeping the law, well, if we could do that, we would be saved, but we can't, so we're damned. Christ is the way. It's almost like a conveyor belt. You get on, and, and, and in this case, the Holy Spirit puts us on it, and all we have to do is not jump off, and we're going to be there. Now, he doesn't just say, I myself am the way. He says, I myself am the truth. Years ago, uh, about the time they started to actually build navigational systems in, in cars, it had made the news that a man had left Casper, Wyoming in the wintertime and had missed something, and, and, and his Garmin, uh, or his doc, sorry, his navigational device, I don't know what brand,
brand it was, uh, it steered him down a road that it didn't tell him was a seasonal road and, and was not plowed in the wintertime. And he kept going and he kept going and the road got worse and the snow got deeper and eventually he got stuck. And he would have froze to death there beside the road out in the middle of nowhere, except for he was able to climb up a tall hill and was able to get enough cell phone reception to call a tow truck and bail him out. And it made the newspapers in my hometown of Rollins because of that. That navigational device didn't intend to lie to him, but it did. Now you and I are in the position where the devil truly does intend to lie to us. Now there were people God sent along the way to tell the truth, guys like Elijah. When the people who had their own homegrown religion, which was wrong, they still weren't worshiping God, but under Jezebel, their queen, the northern kingdom had started to worship all those Baal prophets. God held back the rain and he spoke through Elijah. And Elijah has that showdown. And when he defeats the 450 Baal prophets after God left them seven years in a drought, tells people, now kill those prophets. They are leading you to hell with their lies. John the Baptist was sent to point out the truth. I am not the one who saves you. That one is still coming, but he is coming and I'm preparing the way. So he could, he could prepare the way for the one who is the conveyor belt and he could tell the truth to people. You can't earn salvation. Moses can show you the way, but he himself isn't the way. The way is coming. And we really have to understand that in this world, if we buy into the devil's lies in any way, we're in trouble. Christ is the truth. He doesn't just point us out to the truth. He is the truth. And without the truth that God became a man and he kept the law for you and then he suffered the punishment for you, then you and I are in trouble. He has to do all that. Not only is he the road itself like a conveyor belt, the truth shines the light and shows us where everything's at or else we'll get off the belt. We'll be bought, we'll bind to the devil's lies again. He also says, I myself am the life. You and I think we have life taking air into our lungs and feeding our bodies and everything, but what about our soul? Without Christ dying for us, without Christ living for us, without his sending the Holy Spirit so that we know that Christ has saved us, we are like zombies, we're dead. The apostles would go out and tell, beginning with the Jewish people, although Christ had also been doing that, and then they would go out and they would tell the Gentiles, they could point out in Christ is life, and, and without him there is no life. And you and I have the privilege of, telling, of pointing out the way, the truth, and the life, but we are not the way, the truth, and the life. Christ is. We can only show the true life. In no person are these three combined except for in the God-man, Jesus Christ. And we have to understand the devil lies to us. If we're on the conveyor belt, if we're on the way, he'll throw us off and he'll send us out on detours so that we end up stuck out in the middle of nowhere. And he'll do that through his lies. And so we rejoice Christ overcomes death for us by removing its roadblocks. Christ is the only road. And that's something for us to remember because too often people uh, think, well, if a Jewish person who rejects Christ stays true to their religion, they'll be saved. I'm not talking about persecuting them. I'm talking about eternity here. If the people say, if a Muslim is faithful, then they'll end up in heaven. Or if a Buddhist, no. If they deny Christ, they are not on the road. They've been, they, they have bought into the devil's lies. They have seen detours and they've taken them. The only way into heaven is that God must be perfect in you and my place. He must take our punishment. Then he must send the Holy Spirit 
into our hearts and create that new life that is in us so that we're in union with him. Now, again, uh, that's that that's the wonderful joy, the life he gives us. We're actually connected to him so that the sap of Christ flows through us and we're able to produce fruits and stuff. Those fruits don't save us. We do them because we're saved. When I first moved here to Casper, it used to really frustrate me. And I think sometimes I often still do construction, but there's a lot of construction going on at the time. And from where I lived, there would be three different roads I could take to get to someplace. And they managed to be doing construction on all three roads and have them shut down. So sometimes I'd have to go seven miles out of my way to get to my destination. One road block after the other. That's what the devil does. That's what the world does. That's what our sinful nature does. Even when we've been brought to faith, they want anything. They'll do anything to try to kick us off the conveyor belt. Any detour that'll get us stuck on that road where we can end up dying. And, 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 and that's not what we want. They lead us right back to death, right back to slavery. And so Christ overcame death for us. He's telling his disciples like we did, told our oldest son that day. I'm going ahead of you. Don't worry. Follow, you know, the, the destination's there. And I, I'm the way. It's going to be okay. And, and we see that Christ prepared the eternal destination. That's being with him, the Father, and, and the Holy Spirit and for all eternity in their presence in a unity with them. And Christ is the only road. But by that road, he takes us, he takes us directly to heaven, as, uh, safely to heaven, as he keeps us in his Holy Spirit working through the word. Keep us safe on that road so that we don't take its detours. Amen. Now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen.